The Loose Cannons Podcast is a free-form discussion about film that contains mature language, such as poop and titty, and descriptions of mature situations, such as filing taxes and raising children. We do not have any concern for spoilers, so if you haven't seen the film or films we are discussing and don't want to have the twists ruined for you, please watch the film before listening to the podcast. Hey everyone, it's another episode of Loose Cannons coming at you. Today we are finishing up Musicians Month the same way we started it without Patrick. (laughs) Came up with this idea. (laughs) We're going to be discussing uh, 2014's Eden, directed by Mia Hansen Love. One more time, gonna discuss it. One more time, we're gonna discuss this movie. One more time. Previously discussed on a Before best of the that. year or worst of the year uh, <laughs> podcast. That's true. Uh, before we do that, let's do this. It's a little segment we like to call Harold's Announcements. I wish I could do a house remix version. Four on the floor. <laughs> if Patrick were here, he Couple could. Yeah. Little piano. He could do that, but he's not. So boop ba doo doo. Boop ba doo doo. Yeah, just loop that. Very good. Boop ba doo doo. Just do this for an hour. <laughs> That's right, best our time. discussion of Eden. Just improvising. Very good. Music. Um, I have a lot of different options. Um, I'll go ahead and announce um, Disney's Beauty and the Beast 2017 edition. Uh, I got bored last night uh, and watched it because it's on Netflix now. And, um, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's the same movie, like, you could say all the same issues or whatever, but the thing that I'm going to talk about that actually blew me away, that they could make it worse after, uh, you know, 26 years of new technology and whatnot, is that the sound mixing in it is pretty garbage, like, whenever they break into the songs they mix the vocals really low so that like the instrumentation often like really overwhelms what people are singing and I was like why was this a good idea like the (laughs) vocal melodies are like one of the saving graces of Beauty and the Beast and they're just like pushing it down underneath all the other songs like all the other parts of the song and uh it it makes it sound really bad I mean maybe it's just a cover-up for the fact that they didn't get as good of singers as the original but um like there are definitely parts in which like I can't even um, understand exactly what's being said, especially in the group parts. Like whenever there's like singing in, like a chorus of singers, I'm like, I know these lyrics and I still can't understand exactly what people are saying. That's 
bad. Mm. Um, but yeah, the rest of it, I don't know. You know, Dan Stevens has a really hilarious wig when he turns into the prince. That part was very funny. That's I'll, I'll herald that really bad wig. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. Not a whole lot else to say. I, I wanted to say the one thing that was different than what everyone else was saying, which is also accurate stuff because it's not a good movie. And uh, yep. And I knew it wasn't going to be when I watched it. Yeah, I watched a bunch of 2017 stuff, and it's probably all going to end up on my worst of the year <laughs> list. So Nice. <laughs> um, I definitely stocked up in that direction. Um, but since, yeah, kind of want to save that for then. Uh, Sure. On to you, Ruben. Okay. Um, I could denounce Black Swan, which I watched to see whether or not maybe I would have interest in watching Mother. Um, but uh, I don't know. I feel like I don't really have anything interesting to say about that movie, and the lines are pretty much drawn in the sand as far as Darren Aronofsky goes. Like, right. people who like him or dislike him feel very strongly about their opinions and never the twain shall meet. Yeah. <laughs> um, he is what we say so he is. So instead, I'm gonna... Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to herald a short film, untitled, but I'll call it um, The 21st of September, Part 2, uh, made by Electro Lamon Demi um, from Twitter. Uh, last year on uh, September 21st, he released a video of him dancing wearing a t-shirt that says September 21st to the song, it's the 21st of September. <laughs> <laughs> and then the kind of joke, besides his remix of the thing, is that at one point he pu- he turns around and the shirt says, that's today, exclamation point. That <laughs> 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 was pretty funny. But uh, I like the sequel even better, which he released earlier this week, obviously, on the 21st of September, where he's wearing the shirt again. But this time, when he turns around, there's nothing on the back of the shirt, and he acts confused for a little bit. And then he cuts a line, and the curtain behind him falls. And he has balloons now that says, <laughs> that's today, exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> and the saxophone that he plays and then shoots confetti out of it <laughs> at nice. the end of the video and it's great he's always great um, probably get three and a half or four stars from me if I were rating it on Letterboxd nice it's awesome I love Demi <laughs> yeah it's funny that I mean uh more than any other person who's like sort of in Hollywood but not super famous I feel like he spends a lot of his own money to make just like silly (laughs) one-off content and I was like that's pretty cool because like Mm. I'm sure you're doing pretty okay money-wise but you're not like super rich or anything (laughs) yeah um there were multiple comment responses to the video being like did you buy a saxophone for this video (laughs) And he was like, no. <laughs> but it says something about him as a person that a lot of people thought that was a possibility. <laughs> right. That he would just be like, I came up with an idea for a video. Gotta go buy a saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, 
people were like, how long are you planning this uh, on the first one? And he was like, I literally thought of the idea this morning. He's like, I just happened to own a t-shirt maker. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty cool. Anyways, this was Ilya's pick, right? Yeah, it was. So, uh, plot of Eden. Uh, It... uh, basically follows the uh, career and uh, personal history of a fictional or quasi-fictional French DJ duo uh, that started in the 90s and kind of reflects the development and history of the French so-called French touch or French house scene uh, in the 90s and 2000s. Um, the main character, uh, Paul, is a student and he goes to raves a lot and he's a huge fan of what's referred to as garage music, which is music that is influenced or basically music that was played at the New York club Paradise Garage in the 80s. Um, and he and his friend uh, kind of go to a few raves they start to get noticed as they start playing their own sound which at the time is kind of new and they are also happening at the same time as other bands like Daft Punk and some other more famous uh, DJ duos from the time as he does that he kind of abandons some other career uh, ideas that he's had like becoming a writer um, and uh, kind of uh, dives right into the whole DJ career thing and the movie is told in these like um, it kind of fast forwards between different times um, like throughout the 90s and then in the 2000s and we kind of see uh, Paul's uh, DJing career kind of grow and uh, him being invited to bigger and bigger clubs and meeting like other famous DJs and going like from one girlfriend to the next and uh, like after a while the career starts kind of dropping off um predictably as in a typical musical biopic i guess um and uh it sort of ends with like it it goes all the way down to him being a drug addict uh, who's kind of broke and doesn't have any money and doesn't have uh any prospects in his career and then kind of moves from there to him like trying to get his life back in order while kind of remembering his time as a DJ wistfully as we all do yep Uh, I like this movie but not like a whole lot or anything Um, like I think uh, kind of like song to song it does a good job of replicating a certain experience well two things one the uh, kind of like listening to a song of this nature this movie sort of has like three or four scenes that it just repeats over and over again with like slight variations each time like a scene of him doing drugs or a scene of them going to the club or a scene of him with a woman and like um so it is kind of like its own sort of house music and it like never like really hits like too many too highs or too lows like it just sort of gets you in like a groove and it like lets you sit there and I think that's pretty cool and I like how soft everything looks in this movie it makes me 
like sort of not take it super seriously because they like really lowered the contrast um, on this like shooting it. Um, but I sort of have like the same general problem that I have with like a lot of Richard Linkletter films, which is that like I mean, Hanson Love really wants to like get into this like character space and like it does, you know, sort of remind me of um, my own experiences minus the drugs of like, you know, struggling to be of this generation and like wanting to being encouraged to do what you want and then like suffering the consequences of that because not everyone gets to succeed uh but with no sort of understanding of the larger structural sociological systematic trends um that cause these issues um and sort of just comes down on a like a little bit of an individual responsibility kick of he did too many drugs or he wasn't quite talented enough or uh and i'm not i personally don't really buy that and especially in comparison with uh things to come the other mia hansen love i've seen which i feel like takes a wider more political look at a single person's life um places it in political context i definitely think that's an improvement over this one which sort of just is this like character but i can never totally dislike a movie that says uh if you don't like showgirls you should kill yourself <laughs> <laughs> basil um yeah uh i like this movie now so um cool uh, that is a surprise uh not to me after i watch things to come and I talked a fair amount with Mitchell, who we saw the movie together, but both didn't like it. And we're kind of puzzled by our not liking it, because we're like, on paper, we should like this movie. I can't think of any super strong reasons why not. But then, uh, you know, yeah, I think that there is a certain um, dullness to the movie that uh, this time around felt very intentional. I was like, oh, yeah, like, uh making music and partying is actually pretty boring a lot of the time because you're just sitting around trying to figure out a song that'll sound really good later when you play it for other people but in the moment you're just playing it for yourself over and over again and that um even though the scenes in which he's actually like um mixing and stuff like that like experimenting with things and producing are actually fairly little in the overall scheme of things i think as ruben hinted the other kind of repetition that exists with the structure of the movie kind of um mirrors that without actually being as literal as you know just showing a really long scene of him making a song or something but uh so yeah um but i agree with ruben like i like the movie but i don't like love it like i sort of thought that i might early on I was like oh this movie's way more fun than I thought and way more interesting but it does kind of um, uh, hit a few n notes a little too hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's an early scene where um, they're at a 
where he's at a club or something like that and I, most people are like kind of standing around listening to music and you can tell he's like trying to get the dancing going and he's like doing like a gradually more and more dancing and then at a certain point he realizes that no one else is dancing he just goes back to bobbing his head <laughs> and I was like this is a hundred percent captures like most of the parties that mm. I've been to <laughs> And it's like this is a perfect representation of that moment of that feeling of listening to this type of music where like is everyone gonna start dancing or is it just gonna be a bunch of people bobbing their heads and then nope <laughs> people standing around awkwardly yeah. yeah anyway so yeah i'm with you guys i like this movie i didn't love it i think that if i could describe it the most accurate way would be it comes as close to being something i really like without actually being that thing um (laughs) so uh for a couple of reasons i think what i like about it is definitely that i don't think i've seen a movie that really depicts like what is good and bad and exciting and boring about like club culture for lack of a better word (laughs) um probably ever really i mean not that there's like a huge swath of like movies to choose from to be honest like we've discussed some of them on this podcast uh before um like Mm -hmm. the movie that i don't remember what its name is right now but by um julian something um, which has like mm-hmm. some scenes of dancing, right, in London in the eighties. Um, but like, if you compare that to this, it's like a completely different um, Young Soul yes, Rebels. Young Soul Rebels. Thank you. Um, and Fifty Four. Did we do Fifty Four? I don't remember. No, but you denounced it at some point. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, right. Um, so yeah, my point is, uh, I thought that. The, the depiction of those scenes is really interesting. It's really good. Um, I've always thought that it's very difficult to accurately convey like dance floor scenes and make them look at any way like they usually are. And I think this movie got it really, really right. I would say most of the time, um, from like because it also like depicted it in a pretty broad range, like. It showed like larger Mm -hmm. clubs, smaller clubs, like house parties, like pretty much all kinds of things uh, where these guys would play and uh, different kinds of scenarios and crowds and everything. And I think that was really good. I think it really has a big love for the music that it shows. I think that shines through pretty well. But I feel like in the same way, it's like surface level when it comes to dealing with some of the character related issues that Ruben mentioned or like actually contextualizing them in, in like a broader sphere. I think that actually also mirrors the way this movie deals with uh, what its music is about. And that actually is interesting because I feel like a lot of club music made in Europe that like kind of for not maybe not quite appropriates, but definitely partakes in American club culture or American like gay club culture history, black gay club culture history. It just takes yeah. that I was and say kind of like picks out certain <laughs> elements from it, but never really like the characters don't ever seem like they're interested in it on a more political level or maybe on a very surfacey level politically. They're more interested in it on a like a pure musical like level. And I feel like that definitely takes a lot away from the meaning of that music. Uh, that it had in the first place 
Um, and while that's not generally applicable yeah. to all club culture, I feel like it's strongly applicable to particularly French club culture in the 90s and the 2000s and to a degree also to like, for example, German club culture right now. And I feel like that is something that the movie strangely mirrors without really commenting on it. Yeah, I was going to say that the, that's another way in which it's like the music is that the music itself is kind of a whitewashed, stripped of its political context version of another brand of music, which is disco. They yeah. bring out multiple times. They're like, it's like the modern disco. And um, I feel like maybe if the movie had div- dived into that a little more, like realized its own sort of like ancillary blackness to the movie where it's like black people always popping up in the background being like hey we're a pretty big part of the scene guys (laughs) (laughs) and like what i mean to them this could have been a really good movie but instead it you know doesn't feel like love's really willing uh love's really able to like capture that as more than anything but like a one-off sort of joke Mm Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, um, sort of semi-building on that, that I do think, like, it was a problem that I had with the movie that was a big factor in me not liking it the first time, but also still contributed this time, is that, like, I feel like it uses drugs as just, like, a weird crutch, and it doesn't really comment on even drug abuse at all, or, like, the, like, kind of uh, appeal of him doing so many drugs he just like does a lot of drugs and then doesn't have a good career and it's like yeah that seems like a pretty easy one-to-one and especially like I didn't know for sure the first time I saw it that he was like a made-up person that he wasn't real because I don't know the like history well enough to know that but um like once I found out that he wasn't real I was like then why did you need that scene like you know I don't know there are plenty of people who do a lot of drugs and are super famous so (laughs) (laughs) yeah the one thing that i liked about the drug use which i basically agree with you on is that it never gets like super egregious like during the whole movie he's just like you know like every third scene or whatever he's buying coke and he's doing coke but there's no like you know rock bottom scene Right. like scene where he like almost ODs or anything like that like it never becomes like a huge thing it's just like oh I spent a lot of money on coke that wasn't a good idea <laughs> yeah yeah I actually like that part like that element of it okay like I like the way like the casual way in which everybody's using drugs at that club is like pretty on point like it's nowhere mm-hmm. near as big a deal as it's usually made in movies where you're like fucking zooming in on people taking lines and whatever it's like well, it's yeah. just like something that like people like sometimes do like at, at a very sort large amount like throughout the night and like it's not a huge deal, and they do it in weird rooms and yeah. it's never really that glamorous and whatever and it's fun and like maybe they didn't really want to show the fun element of it too much, which I guess movies rarely do in the <laughs> ever, <laughs> or if they do, they like extra glamorize it to some ridiculous effect um but actually i thought that the drug use depiction was mostly okay the fact that they didn't really do much with his character like generally and like that that the the drug abuse was like kind of like also like a i feel like that was more to do with the fact that his character was just like kind of 
just not very interesting and like his abuse thing was therefore yeah. also not very interesting yeah i think yeah. that uh, one of the things i wrote down is not liking about the movie is his acting <laughs> i mean he's cute <laughs> and like nice to look at but yeah not a, not a great actor yeah i mean uh i thought well uh, another thing that distracted me which uh, distracted me the last time, which was I still think Greta Gerwig is actually terrible in this movie. Yeah, and it really surprises yeah. me. Because, uh, <laughs> it's so weird. She's not good. <laughs> like it feels like they they just like got her for a day and then just like rushed through all the scenes really fast and then you know they're she never like had time to like really get this character in any way. Like especially the part when um, the, they have the voiceover and it like. There's like a still sort of thing of her when she's like oh. reading her note. I was like, oh, I don't like this at all. That really doesn't work the second time that they they bring it back. I thought that that was just maybe the effect or whatever mm-hmm. that just made it like totally. Yeah, no, I didn't like it either time, but like yeah. it was super. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and I was like, man, if you're going to do this bad effect, if you're going to say that it's like an important part of your movie, you're like you got to do it a couple of times. So it feels like they really like rode the fence on that <laughs> they were like this is an important part of a movie so we're gonna do it twice because we're not totally sure about doubling down on it <laughs> yeah i mean i mean the well, like, I character is terrible like anyway women would do yeah it's just terrible like she's a, a girl he sleeps with and then she's a pregnant lady he used to sleep with and like that's the extent and she writes <laughs> stories I mean, that's it, right? That's. I, I mean, I actually thought that that was like, kind of like a little bit funny that like, the I don't know, how like boring these people become mm. like given enough time, <laughs> and that like she's a successful writer now and she lives like the most stereotypical existence. Yeah. <laughs> No, I thought I thought that that was like, very funny, and I also thought that um, the way that the guy doesn't change the whole time in terms of like like his facial hair changes, but he has the same haircut the whole movie. <laughs> like I thought that was very funny. Yeah. Um, she does get one really great line, in my opinion, when she says that she likes the music. It's great to dance to, but not listen to every day at home. And, <laughs> It reminded me of when people talk about New York City, when they're like, I love to visit it, but no one would ever want to live there. <laughs> it's like, eh, Fairly yeah. House is the New York City of music. <laughs> <laughs> but he would love to live there. Slash, yeah. love to listen to that music all the time. <laughs> that is, I, I did think it was funny when he tried to convince her to stay in Paris and was like, no one lives in New York anymore. Yeah. Well, he's right. Uh, he was definitely right at that point. 90s was already um, a terrible time. Going back to the drugs a little bit, I just want to add that I like how at the beginning of the, another one, which it avoids somewhat the typical drug narrative, is that when his mom is like, she's like, you should read this article and... Uh, the French paper about, I think she's talking about ecstasy, if yeah. I remember correctly. She's like, yeah. she's really, but then that's not the drug that he does, or mm. that 
ends up being a problem for her. Like, it's not a setup for foreshadowing at all. Yeah. <laughs> and he's even like, it's yeah, I don't do that drug. Don't worry about it, Mom. Yeah, I do cocaine. <laughs> much, it's completely much better. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Even though, yeah, cocaine definitely, yeah. Which much is like a... Drug. I mean... would have been better off doing ecstasy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Also, uh, much more expensive, too. Like That's what I said. Oh, okay. I thought you said much more, like unhealthy or dangerous, dangerous. yeah mm. yeah I mean, that's true too but but it is he would have saved a lot of money if he did ecstasy instead <laughs> that is true he's not good with money at all i think i thought that that part was kind of fun in the movie where it really dealt with his money problems like pretty like like straightforwardly like he was just terrible at money yeah. no matter how bigger <laughs> how big his career was getting he was always broke and then like just like loaning more and more money from people he probably like in the beginning were probably okay to loan from but like towards the end uh, there was no telling how much he was even yeah. in for and uh, I mean like I just like that they even included that that that's like part of it you know because uh, the woman at the bank is very uh, straightforward and almost sympathetic she's just like you're bad at this yeah <laughs> <laughs> Here's yeah, your very I, small allowance for the future. <laughs> yeah, I like the contrast with that, with like his previous, um, like money manager who's just kind of a pushover. Is like, oh, I guess it's your money. Do what you want. And she's like, <laughs> that other guy didn't do a very good job helping you. You're bad with money. Here's what you're gonna do. Yeah, and I'll tell you what to do. <laughs> um. Probably my favorite part of the movie is um, when he starts to become like popular and famous, they switch to a different camera or maybe a different post-production style, and it looks so much like every single one of these movies, like the documentary of like shots of like people jumping in the pool or whatever, like right. dancing to club music, that I was like... Um, this isn't exactly like a laugh out loud funny movie, but I thought that part was really funny just because I've seen it so many times and it was like so familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Here's what happens when you get famous. Yeah. Your life looks like this now. And yep. And then uh, I like how after that bit of like extremely phony, like living the high life business or whatever, the very next scene is them at a club discussing with the club owners how many plants to like hire to come in they're like how many professional dancers how many people should we invite and how many people should we actually sell admission to mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like i still got to make a profit and they're like oh but the dancers they keep the mood going you got to get those dancers in here <laughs> it's like oh man club experience is already like pretty tenuously enjoyable to begin with right now you find out it's all fake yeah <laughs> it's true i want to get one of those jobs though i wish i could dance yeah. well enough that people would just pay me to come to clubs and pretend that i'm a huge fan of the music i mean i guess i probably would be if i did that for a job but still it did sound like they were really getting paid just getting free entrance and maybe free drinks mm. <laughs> That'd be enough payment for me, probably. (laughs) Yeah. 
unfortunately I don't care enough about learning how to dance well to do anything like that. Also, it'd be hard. Portland doesn't really have any cool clubs. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, I did like, speaking of, uh, I did like the, all the different, uh, we sort of talked about this, all the different, um, uh, like, venues or whatever. Like, I think one of the first ones they go to, it's like in a submarine or something. And I was like, that's <laughs> a cool place to have a club. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> There's some fun, fun locations. The very last one, where he's when he's already like his DJ career is over, is the actually the mm. David Lynch Club, called what's his what's his oh, name? Oh, Silencio. Silencio, right? Yeah. Nice. Is that the yeah, one that, where that one appears uh, earlier, right? Huh? Oh, I thought that that one was like in in the movie twice, but I don't know for sure. Oh, maybe it was. But I definitely I know that the, I don't at the end. No, fine. Paid enough attention to be able to tell the clubs apart. I had some similar issues with the women, which I was a little uncomfortable with mm. at times. I was like, is this the same woman with different hair <laughs> reappearing? I think it is. <laughs> um, oh, with the blonde hair? And then she goes back yeah. to brown? Yeah, she yeah. goes from like pixie cut to, I think, blonde it's hair to... Like um, Louisa, I think her name is? To medium, yeah. yeah. And she was like, maybe she was Cyril's girlfriend at first, but then becomes like someone on and off with Paul a bunch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't positive, and I was like, I'm a little more comfortable with this because the director is a woman, and so therefore I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt a little bit that they're doing this intentionally to show me something about his character mm. as opposed to saying something about women, but there's a lot of female nudity and like none from men, so... I feel like it's riding the line of like <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know. it's really only her though that's naked yeah but uh, yeah I, uh... only tangentially related my favorite note that I took down was uh, in quotes sad boys and then strike again and then parentheses don't leave <laughs> i am sad without you <laughs> yep. and it's after they get in the fight when he decides to visit uh louisa or no uh julia uh, greta gerwig's character in new york without asking her yeah <laughs> yeah i think that that's um the way that they handled the relationship or whatever yeah the kind of inertia to it, like that mirrors everything else, is um, pretty interesting to me. Like it was pretty fun in that sense, though. Like, uh, yeah, all the scenes are kind of the same, and also they're all uh, like, like they feel like a real sense of like it's not like a completely phony level of like, oh, this is a bad relationship. I'm like, this is a potent, believably bad relationship, but I can also believe why people would stay in it and that's sad yeah mm. from the files of um sounds too real and too cruel to have not been something that someone who worked on this film just heard in real life decided to transpose into the film the part when she uh after sorel commits suicide um and she's laying in bed just really sad and it's like um i can't stop thinking of sorel and he says something like why 
he clearly stopped thinking about you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's a very mean thing to say about someone who just died. Yeah. <laughs> and a very mean thing to say to her. Like, he obviously didn't care about anyone. Otherwise, he wouldn't kill himself. <laughs> I was like, geez. <laughs> I also, um, I actually think that's probably one of the most well-handled, I don't know if subtle is exactly the right word, but things of the movie is the idea, like, when Cyril commits suicide, like, I was not at all surprised by that, like, by his, um, like, very, like, stringent, like, behavior leading up to that point, I was like, yeah, he's, like, someone probably wouldn't be able to pick up on the signs, because he's not, like, weepy sad or whatever but like he has like an obvious like high level discomfort with the world in general and like these very high standards or something and it obviously has to do with like low self-esteem on his part and things like that and you know when his friends show up and they're like it's time to go to new york and he doesn't remember or isn't ready i was like yeah it all makes sense once yep. in retrospect once it happens yeah it's not yeah, at all out one... of left field without also not being advertised. Mm -hmm. And them not picking up on it is also like makes a lot of sense as people who generally seem to be in a tight knit group, but also most of the time they spend together is like in a party environment where you don't always have the opportunity to have like a good emotional like you have emotional moments but you don't really have those types of discussions where someone you know you really pick up on a lot of these things especially with people who are generally reserved about their feelings and the one time that this becomes obvious is when he like gets into a fight with that guy but obviously like for them it's like a matter mm -hmm. of I'll well, go home and sleep it off or whatever rather mm -hmm. than like hey maybe should be, somebody should be with him right now right yeah and the movie cuts out all the scenes um the uh, more typical i guess of like people on drugs like connecting emotionally hmm. being like i love you and, yeah you know telling stories about like aka the best part <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh you the friendship all just seems very tenuous because it's just people showing up and being like, the music's great. Yeah. All right, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even, I like even, you know, um, the part when their duo breaks up, that all just happens off screen. Just like fast forward in time and they're not a duo anymore. And it's just like, oh yeah, he's got kids. He's moving to some other place. That's that. <laughs> there it goes. Yeah. That but, is that. Yeah. I also like the scene when Louisa shows up with her kids. Really highlights. I'm just like, here's all these people. They're doing things. And he still looks the same. Well, and them doing things is mostly <laughs> like having kids. Like, that's what they mostly end yeah. up doing. All the people who seem to not be DJs are all have kids. <laughs> that's what happens. And, and his partner. His partner has a kid, too. <coughs> I, I can't remember um, who 
uh, oh, or what context that he says it in, but it's kind of funny, especially, you know, with what Basil is saying, that at one point he, like, sort of angrily goes, I'm 34! <laughs> <laughs> and he looks the same as when he looked when he was 16, yeah. and he's living the same life. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah, it's because someone I did tells him to grow the... up. Yeah. <laughs> I did laugh at the scene where after he's had his money restricted and I guess he has to sort of take whatever job he can and he's working like that birthday party or something. <laughs> we're like... <laughs> yeah. And then there's that like traditional music starts playing much louder than him when like the group of people arrives playing like the live traditional music and he like has to turn the fader down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For the one person who's dancing. That was pretty. pretty that was pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. And I like that. Um, the, um, it's a it's another sort of like, in between thing or whatever where, uh, his girlfriend at that time, um, uh, like when he finally admits that he's like having money troubles and he's like, crying because he's like, oh, he doesn't know what to do and everything and. She's really comforting, but then she's just yeah. not in the movie again after yeah. that. Yeah, she just sends him to his mom. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, that's so sad for you. And then, yeah, goodbye. And yeah, and the mom even mentioned, she's like, wow, she's amazing. <laughs> Never appears again. Yeah. Instead, he has like a thing where he's like, that one, again, did bring, well, yeah. we talked about that. Effect back where the woman is reading her bad poem, and obviously she's gonna be like the new thing or whatever. Yeah. Oof. Robert Creeley. He's a he's a poet that Haley likes a lot. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I never really read him, but you know, could have been the context of the movie, but I was definitely not feeling that poem. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's poetry's a hard thing to even even good poems can sound bad if read poorly and uh, but um, I don't know. Yeah, context is also everything. I feel like there's a lot of poems yeah. that don't mean at all what people take them to mean. They're a lot less <laughs> swoony and romantic than people interpret them as. Um. Yeah, and then the like considering how the movie has avoided sort of any um in many ways like normal narrative traps of this mm-hmm. genre and stuff like that the fact, like the poet the fact that the poem like appears to transverse the story itself seems like a pretty <laughs> cheesy way to end the movie. Right. Where it's like something about starting in light and ending in darkness and I was like, mm. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. But, um, what was I going to say? Oh, the thing that I, that I did like that, yeah, Mitchell and I talked about sort of is, is the sort of like anti-biopic, like it has the same structure, but he never actually like gets like famous, famous. He's just like a little famous, like the tiniest bit famous. And then. His fall is similarly like not a very big fall. It's like a it's like a <laughs> mild hill of a movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, aside from so him like being friends with like the the one part I thought was pretty funny is like Daft Punk being in this movie and like never getting into any club mm-hmm. anywhere because nobody knows what they look like and they're not like. Um, and uh, like him being around those dudes like kind of like puts you in this idea of like oh well yeah he could have been that famous like he started off with those people and like could have been that way um but then really really wasn't um Mm -hmm. and uh uh, i don't know if the movie really like has a good answer for why he wasn't (laughs) like it doesn't really delve too much into that because also on a way like while it does i feel like it does it is interested in like the culture it depicts i don't think it really shows like oh like he could have done this differently or he could have like gone this way or he could have like this is why his music was quite not as or like what he was playing was not as good as like what these other people were playing or if that even had any reason to do with it i feel like they had that one scene where the club owner kind of chews him out for for inviting all these people for free and then tells him like hey you know that lesbian joint down the street they play electro like that's really happening you want to play electro and then like they just like shown leaving the club and like clearly probably did not agree with that um idea Mm -hmm. uh and so like maybe like the one sort of thing it says is like oh he didn't really go with the time or or whatever like but otherwise, it's just like it almost isn't really that interested in what made him like successful or unsuccessful. It's just like, well, he was unsuccessful, and this is what happened because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh well, I was gonna say yeah. I think I feel like that was that was my main issue with the drug stuff in general was like i don't think that she's like necessarily trying to do a one-to-one but because of like the natural i think when you're watching a movie you're like trying to create a kind of cause and effect in your mind so like the fact that like people are talking about how he's spending too much money on drugs and drugs with drugs like is like like then it becomes like a thing where you're like oh you know like that's gonna be the explanation for me or the he didn't change with the times yeah I think as Ruben hinted at the beginning of the podcast, those are uh, not super interesting reasons person when there are yeah. much larger uh, like socio-political reasons why that happens to people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but, but like I mean, like, I, I read know, a I read an interview um with uh hands of love which kind of touches on the on the point of like like the way she like depicts like the daft punk guys in the beginning um so Mm -hmm. they're shown like you start off like seeing them as like these two really young kids basically uh playing and as they play the song and it's like one of their early hits and then like the camera kind of goes away from them and then really never goes back to them again like you never really hear them talking you never really hear them say anything anymore and that's like because oh well now they're famous and they're like in this space where no one gets to access that because it's like special Mm -hmm. and um like the idea is like even for him like the people that are famous like some of the people that show up in this movie are like actual like you know house djs or singers and so on the ones that 
all probably pretty much all of them that that appear all the black people that appear in this movie are actual like house DJs musicians singers mm-hmm. and so on and like he kind of like you know he like touches them or like he speaks to them or or whatever but there's like never a scene where he's like shown to really be on like the same level as they are or even like you know like he's just this kid or he's just this guy and he's like never there's not a lot of 34 yeah (laughs) yeah and like the one scene where you see him actually like creating right with the with the kick drum when they try out 30 different kick drums it shows like Mm -hmm. that he's kind of particular but also that it's all kind of random what he's doing. Like there's just like this randomness to the music he's making that is just kind of like, yeah, I mean, I guess he's like passionate about it, but he doesn't really, you know, it's not like something you he, you really feel like he has a lot of love for or anything. It's just like this thing where it's just like, ah, God, I hate this part. It's really <laughs> deadening and mind numbing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it came up before or whatever, but uh, when we uh, for the girl walk all day thing. But when I saw that interview with Girl Talk, and he talked about how much effort it takes to like get where he'll just like play a bunch of different songs like and like line them up and just like do it over and over and over again until he finds one that like mixes right. I was like, man. Sounds really tedious. I'm glad you're passionate <laughs> about it. I guess you're you're really into just that like level of mechanical exactitude, but no thanks. Yeah. I mean that's fair. Like I mean that's kind of the part which mm-hmm. this movie is like what we talked about earlier when it gets all the boring parts, I think includes all the boring parts about this world. I feel like that's that's accurate. But like there's mm-hmm. a difference between like yeah, uh, Paul playing his music and like the the guy in the studio that he visits, who like shows him this track he's been working on like for a long time, and like it's just like this whole like he's really into it. He's so proud of what he did, uh, whereas Paul is just like doing stuff and like kind of rushing mm-hmm. through all of it and never really taking much care. I wrote down, always in pajamas or at clubs. His whole life is. (laughs) At night, in the club. Or at home, eating cereal in his pajamas. Even though this movie does its best, that still sounds like a pretty cool life to me. (laughs) I could do without the club part. (laughs) Just the pajamas? The pajamas part. Yeah, I um, I did like that the the whole thing with um, the singer, the woman when they um, get her like rather than being excited that they're working with someone that's like this famous and this cool, like they're just like fretting because they're like way overextended themselves in terms of paying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's I thought. Yeah, that's also a thing that I felt like got that part pretty right. Like <laughs> it's just like the. 
another movie would have maybe just shown them like being super proud that this lady is playing or singing at his concert but here it's just like she wants this other hotel room it's not fancy mm-hmm. enough for her uh she doesn't like flying and that's why like she's kind of just making demands and whatever and like i don't know and and at the same time it's like yeah uh it it, it doesn't really um it doesn't really seem like this uh is really leading uh, to like a a greater point other than like they are just fed up at that point already more with their with their career like there's just too much a lot of it is mostly just like dealing with money and never having any and like that part is really kind of sad although it was funny when they basically told him like to well they can't afford a stage for her to stand on so they should just find a couple of crates but then like put a restaurant blanket over it so it looks fancy so that basically (laughs) that's how you deal with that situation yep sad uh, yeah, I, um, I I like that it doesn't make her sound seem like shitty. Like I feel like it would be easy to like have her be like a diva who seems like really demanding, and they're like, ah, oh, I can't believe this. We're just trying to make this concert happen, and blah blah blah. But I feel like you know, they're like, yeah, she's she's more famous than you she's doing you a favor by doing yeah. this and i mean they come across yeah, as dicks kind of made some when they like complain about her yeah exactly and everything mm-hmm. yeah exactly like i feel like it's it it does the inverse of what would be the typical thing where like one person's the protagonist so like they stack the deck so that this per- the person who's like yeah. you know they see as the impediment the audience also does but the movie does a good job of inverting that where it's much easier to sympathize with her doing them a pretty big favor and them not being as appreciative of it as they should be than (laughs) the other way around which is kind of a cool thing yeah uh Sorry, I'm a bit distracted this podcast. I was just like, the election is happening in Germany, and uh, it's not great. <laughs> the results not are, going so good. are not great. Yeah. Uh, I guess to be expected, but uh, yeah. Just writing with some people. Brennan Hell, AFD. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that seems like a solid note to end this podcast on. <laughs> Party's over. Party's over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep. Now it's time for the glorious revolution because next month we're going to be doing communism month. Yeah. We're going oh, right yeah. from theme month to theme month. Uh, next movie is going to be the last Bolshevik. If y'all want to watch that before the podcast, of course, if you're enjoying the podcast, um, you should subscribe using your podcast listening application. You can find all our content on loosecannons.net, including writings and videos, as well as all of our podcasts. You can also find a link to our message board there where you can participate in conversations about film or any other topic that we've ever spoken about. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.